Welcome to the Satori Lifestyle Podcast. I'm your host, Dave Kovar, and in this episode, I get a chance to interview a really interesting, amazing man by the name of Sifu Singh. I met him a few years ago, and he's a really remarkable martial artist and a deep thinker, and I think you'll enjoy this podcast. So let's get started. Hey, hello. Hello, Sifu. How are you today? Hello, Hachi. How are you? Good to see you. I'm I'm good. Good. Thanks for joining me today. So uh, I'm excited to talk to you today. Uh, It's my honor, man. Always to engage with you, sir. So those of you guys that are listening on, on Facebook, this is actually, we're doing a Facebook Live, but this is really going to end up on my podcast, The Satori Lifestyle. And and Sifu Singh, uh, we met a few years ago, uh, and I wouldn't do your bio justice, but, uh, you know, we'd met at the Super Show three or four years ago, and very quickly I was watching you, I, t- I told you before, through a, a window uh, you guys are out training with your guys, and I, I loved your movement. Uh, and then, uh, you know, the, what you were doing, and then getting to talk to you. Just what, what I, what I, I what my perception, and I want to hear a little bit about your stories. You know, you're a guy who's, uh, you know, who's on a mission. You're doing things for the right reasons. You're passionate. You're a good athlete. You know, and and it's it's really cool to see you rising, so to speak. And I think your star is going to be rising for a long time. And and I'm excited to know you and watch you on your journey. Oh, thank you, thank you, sir, for your kind words. Uh, I'm just, I'm just doing my best to do what I love to do. You know, martial arts has given me everything in my life, everything from security and comfort and all those things, but more from finding out who I truly am. You know, and that's, that's, that's the greatest blessing. And you started out. I mean, you were you trained, uh, but you were uh, like an engineer in Silicon Valley, right? <laughs> yeah. Once upon a time, in a galaxy far, far ago, I was I was in the Silicon Valley as a computer electrical engineer in the dot com boom days in the early two thousands. And then I went on into business development and pricing strategy, and uh, you know I worked in uh, the the strategy and marketing divisions uh, of a semiconductor company. Yeah, but that whole time you were already training, right? Always, yeah, always training. <laughs> yeah, well, so tell me a little bit about, like, like you know, uh, go back to your childhood. Like, you know, what was it that, you know, when did you know that, hey, I want to do martial arts, and then when did you start? Well, you know, for me, over my crib, so my dad immigrated from India. My mom and my dad immigrated from India to Canada, to Toronto, Canada, and before, the, and then I, I came to California to go to University of California, Davis, on a tennis scholarship, and that's how I ended up here. But my dad would travel all the time, and on one of his trips to Hong Kong, he brought back a giant poster of Bruce Lee and Muhammad Ali. And then he hung them over my crib, not flat, but like this, on a 45-degree angle. You're serious. <laughs> I'm dead serious. And, 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 you know, I didn't know. Maybe he was brainwashing me at a young age. I don't know what was happening. But, uh, and you know, watching movies as a kid, whatever. And then we moved to uh, Canada when I was, so my dad was a sea captain. So I lived on the ship uh, my, my early years, you know, like we, we went all over the world, like on those giant tankers, you know. And, uh, and then when I was about six years old, we had to get some, you know, stability. And so we migrated to Canada. And we were, when we migrated to Canada, you know, since my dad was always traveling and I was at that time, the eldest brother, I had a younger brother. And then, you know, later I had a second, another brother who came who was younger, but he wanted me to be able to defend myself and and take care of my family. And so he, uh, my mom and my dad put me in um, karate at the University of Toronto Academy of Karate and Judo run by Sensei Bert Konzak. And that's how my, my journey started when I was six years old. Very cool. Very cool. And so you trained up, you know, uh, you know, growing up, you were also doing so- uh, t- tennis, yeah. but you had an incident happen. Uh, you were sharing with you one time, like uh, kind of a, after a nightclub, you got in a little altercation <laughs> that, that kind of got you thinking a little more serious about your training. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so we, I was at the university of California Davis and it was at the end of our, uh, you know, spring semester in June of 2001 just after exams, we had gone to Ocean Beach. Those of you from Northern California may be familiar, just south of San Francisco. But we were coming from Davis. I'd never spent much time in that area, and neither did the people, so we were new to it. We were one of the last cars to arrive. And um, you know what happens when you're celebrating in college, your last cars to arrive, let's crack open a couple beers. And, and you have zero awareness. And out of the, literally out of the darkness, it was um, a turf of a local gang. They were looking for someone, and and they just appeared until they were right there in front of me, 10 feet away, looking for someone. And um, my roommate, who was to the left of me, looked like 
the guy they were looking for. And, and in an instance, the leader asked the guy to my right for a cigarette. And when we looked, boom, it's on, you know, drag him to the middle, all violence, all chaos breaks out. And that was the first time that I was in a situation. I've been in street fights growing up here and there, schoolyard fights, things of that nature, but nothing like this, Dave, where it was something that I'd never seen that degree of violence before or the look, you know, the sheer look in somebody's eyes. And, and two things happened. I didn't know what to do. And you have that moment of fight or flight where you have to make a choice. I wanted to run, but I decided not to. I didn't know what to do. And then it looked like a rugby match. It doesn't look like they're all coming one at one time. And especially right. when they're fighting in formation, because they're a gang, they know how to fight in formation. They drag him to the middle, beat on him, make a perimeter. The other guys chase you around. And I played, I played rugby in high school too. So I'm just running. I'm getting cracked and I'm running. And that's what it looks like. Um, and long story short, it was divine intervention. The guys that were looking for happened to walk by. I did absolutely nothing heroic. And they switched their attention, and, and that's how we escaped. But the, the, the greatest thing that came out of that was one of the, that was the single greatest pivotal moment of my life because I felt in that moment um, the flow state that everybody talks about. But beyond sports, you know, I'd felt it in tennis and things, but this was a different crack at it. Maybe some people have experienced it like in a car accident where time just, boom, you would go into the warp. And even though I didn't know what to do, I'd never felt that level of peace before in my life. Wow. Ever at all. And I was like, wow, <laughs> everything's moving slowly. And I'm like, I have no idea what to do. They're swinging at me. But I could at the same time in that chaos feel this peace. And so then since then, my, my whole mindset was, because after then, now I'm, you know, at that time, I'm, now I'm totally ashamed. I'm supposed to be a martial artist, couldn't defend anything. You go through the ego and all that kind of stuff and anger. Okay, I'm going to learn street fighting all the way. And then I want to learn about the slow state. So how do I figure this out? And those became the two um, central aspects that, that kind of drove my journey to figure things out. Amazing. So what, like, like, who would you say, give me some influences, who jumps out at you? Like why, for example, why is Bruce Lee such an influence to you? So when I was 13 years old, my sensei gave me two books to start reading uh, when I was, when I got my brown belt, because I started becoming an assistant instructor at that time. He gave me Goren no Show, the Book of Fire Rings, and he gave me the Tao of Jeet Kune Do. I didn't understand either of them, but I read them because he told me to read them, especially you pick up the Tao of Jeet Kune Do at that time. You're like, well, where are the pictures? You know, there's a few mm-hmm. pictures. Right all philosophy and is so heavy. And so that was there. And probably my dad brainwashing me a little bit. That was probably in the back of my mind. So those were the influences always Musashi. Like I love the statue behind you and, and Musashi, that concept, this this warrior's way. Yeah. Everybody check that out. This, this warrior's way, this, 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 you know, this thing beyond martial arts. And they were always both talking about, a conceptual philosophical way of approaching life, you know, like the Jedi, but they were, you know, real people talking about it. And there was this lore to that, that could you, you could be badass and then you could be like super peaceful at the same time and super wise, Kwai Chang Kane, you know, that whole, mm-hmm. that whole concept. And that always was something that followed me since the start that I was always attracted to. So my experience has been, I know you have as well, met a lot of, you know, really intense martial artists, high level fighters. And, and with very few exceptions, the guys that you meet that are, that can cause the most harm are almost always the most peaceful, square away people you'll meet. Isn't that ironic how that is? Always. Always. They're the nicest, kindest people. So I had uh, I opened up my first dojo like six months out of high school and and, and I was just literally 19 years old and it was in a kind of a rough part of uh, Sacramento. It was right across from Gate Four, McClellan Air Force Base in North Highlands and and back then it was kind of like kind of the stuff you get now with MMA or maybe jujitsu. The visiting guy comes and he finds a jujitsu school and he tries to tap out all the instructors, you know, all the people at the at the local jujitsu school that maybe you see sometimes around. But back then, you know, someone comes into your school. 
And, and it was, there was no kids. It was just all young guys. That's what I had, uh, uh, would come in and, and more than once I was challenged and it was usually, Hey, you want to spar type thing. It wasn't like a, uh, but what was interesting, the first couple of times I was incredibly intimidated, but no one beat you at your old school at the time. Of course, now I would look at someone and go, what, you know, why are we going to do that? I, I wouldn't bother, but you know, you're a kid, you're, you're going to, you prove yourself. But, uh, and so, but what's ironic is I came to realize that, that guys that do that usually don't have a lot of skill. Really good guys usually wouldn't lower themselves to do that. You're you're absolutely correct. You know, I think the really good guys are secure in who they are um, and don't need to prove who they are uh, by putting somebody else down or lowering them or showing dominance or showing control. And then the second thing is they know how dangerous they are so they can choose peace. I think that's a big part of being peaceful is understanding that you could be dangerous. And now you can choose to be peaceful because if you're not dangerous and you're just harmless, are you really choosing peace, you know? It's kind of like Schindler's List, you know, when, when Schindler's talking to the commandant of the, of the I, I don't know if you, if you saw the concentration camp, yes, yes. And, and he talks about power, you know, true power is having the ability to kill people and not doing it, right? I think you bring up a really good point. Like, I'm often, not as much anymore because the public tends to know better now, but in many times in my life, someone said, why would you want to do martial arts? You know, I'm, I'm not a violent person. So what would you tell somebody uh, as to, you know, you, man, you, you, you teach people some pretty you know, intense stuff. How, how do you justify that uh, and still consider yourself kind of a peaceful contributing member of society? Well, well, everything is chaos, right? At the end of the, and the world is chaos. Nature is chaos is nature's way. So being able to navigate chaos is an essential skill that somebody can have. The, the prime example of navigating chaos is somebody actually throwing a punch at you. How are you going to act and react in that tension? So the skill becomes, so we have a fight and flight response. How, where can we take that natural fight and flight response to, to get to the point where how can we choose peace in the chaos and train ourselves to not react, but to respond? How do we choose to make ourselves calm, cool, and collected in that environment? And martial arts really gives us that more than anything else. If, you know, like in jiu-jitsu, for lesson number one, learn to survive, right? Mm-hmm. Monitor your breath. Die less last longer, you know, and those things of, you know, the, one of the, the pivotal lessons that I think the most important thing martial arts given me is the ability to make myself comfortable in an uncomfortable situation. Mm-hmm. Hicks and Gracie classic, like you learn in jujitsu day one. And you're like, wow, because everything in my life is if I react to things because I'm uncomfortable, I am no longer in charge of myself and I'm no longer choosing and re-choosing what can happen. Now I'm reacting, I'm becoming a habit, I'm repeating a pattern, and now it's just going to be the same results over and over again, and they're definitely not going to be favorable. And yeah, it's such a good distinction. And you know, one of the things that that I, I see also is 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 that when you people that train in martial arts, they they project a, a different uh, a vibe, so to speak. It's kind of like the average predator does not, you know, they're looking for prey. They're looking for someone they can get over on. And, and if you're sending out a signal that said, I'm, I'm not too sure of myself, you know, I'm, I'm a victim, boom, and he's got his radio frequency tuned in, boom, there's a match. But if you're projecting a signal, uh, you know, that I'm confident and I'm sure and aware, that doesn't guarantee you're not going to get confronted, but it stacks the odds in your favor. Because, you know, uh, the phrase goes, the average bad guy is the, does not have an alternative plan, they have an alternative victim. And once you project a level of confidence, then you're less likely to be confronted. And the other thing I think that's important is like, like let's just say, uh, uh, you know, I'm untrained and uh, – Maybe I'm athletic, maybe I'm not, but, but let's just say that you are a predator by nature, okay, and I rear-end you in traffic, okay? Now, by the way, you, uh, it's just a fender bender, everybody's okay, but you also have a buddy with you who thinks you're, a, you know, you're his role model, right? And so I get out of the car, and, and you're, you, this is your chance. This is like, like this, you're, you're seen in when you, you know, your, your uh, gang fight that you're in, so to speak. Now, you're going to respond to me. You're going to step out of the car, and you're going to puff your chest out. You're going to – now, if I respond uh, fearful, okay, because I'm not sure what to do, well, what's that going to do to a predator? What are they going to do? It's just going to accelerate things. The flip side is if I respond in kind, oh, well, you know, by putting my guard up, we know there's going to be trouble. So the only real way uh, to respond peacefully is being able to – 
be confident enough that I can defend myself if I have to. I can look at you in the eye and say, hey, buddy, it's my fault. Insurance will take care of it. But letting you know with my posture, my eyes, my body language, my voice that, hey, Buddha, I'm good to go. And then I give you a chance to be able to exit peacefully, so to speak. And so and it's hard to do. It's hard to fake that, you know. And, and so when you have some skills, you can think, hey, I'm scared to death, but I know what I'm going to do. If I have to fight, I'm ready. And that everything about you changes when that's the case. Oh, you're one one thousand percent correct. You know, and and I think a key thing for the listeners listening, what you mentioned there is is the pause. It's that active pause. If your stuff is going around, you say time out, pause. Who's making this choice? Who's making this decision? Is it my ego because my buddy's there? And then in that moment, what's going on with this person? What scan the environment? And your awareness expands, and you're able to then choose. And like the art of war find a more tactical and strategic path that wins for everyone. I think that's the key thing. It's like, I want the win that's for everyone. So, hey, like you said, you talk the guy down, my insurance will take care of it. I'm so sorry. You'd be the first one to apologize. There's an opportunity there to diffuse the situation, but you're still ready because there's a relaxed alertness because he may not diffuse the situation. That's his problem. Now he chooses what's going to happen next not you jumping into what whatever energy exactly and 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 you know you're you're going to influence his his choice by your level of 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 confidence right and so it's one of those things where i call it practice the fight so you don't have to you know or and and uh there's there's really something to that to be sure so tell me um What's, you know, you seem like you're, you're, you're on a mission to, I, I guess, make the world a better place through martial arts training. Give me a little bit, like if you were speaking to a group of, uh, I know you do quite a few workshops and whatnot, you, you're, you're, I've got a room full of uh, 100 executives and you've got them for a half hour and you want to impart something that's going to be of value to them. What, what's your message? What are you telling them? The most important thing is we have to understand chaos and okay. our relationship in chaos. And so when we look at chaos, okay, first and foremost, step number one is know yourself and know your enemy. So when we're in chaos, we have to first understand who's there operating, which version of me is operating, um, who am I in that state, which, which are my emotions that are coming in, what part of my past am I bringing into the situation? So that ability to understand, how am I feeling today? Did I get in that argument with my wife? Did, am I rushing? What's my, where am I at in time and space? And who's making the choice? Is it me making a choice out of security where I'm afraid? Is it out of control because I'm afraid I want to control the situation? Or is it because of my need for approval? Do I need to tell these executives how great I am so they buy what I'm going to say? So that understanding of who's operating. Then the next thing is I have to know the enemy. And with the enemy or the person that I'm interacting with, what is it that they are looking for? I have to be able to look. I always say to people, one thing to watch your opponent but watch what your opponent is watching. Look through their eyes to what they're seeing. And now not only will you be able to defend yourself better in a martial arts situation, but you'll also be able to serve the audience to another level. And what this requires is, is a self-reflection and a self-study of who you are. How do you operate under stress? Which environments are you successful in and which environments are you not successful? Um, and then the next thing is how does your past, how do you repeat your past? So what are your victories? What are your defeats? Who was talking to you? What was the environment? We have to understand this data of who we are and how we operate. Then the next piece from there is the same thing with whoever we're interacting with. And step number two is we have to weaponize our awareness. My awareness is my greatest weapon. So back to awareness of myself, awareness of the person or people or the group I'm interacting with. What are their needs? What are the problems that they're facing? And then from there, what's the situation, the situational awareness? And then from there, I can choose a tactical awareness. And that tactical awareness is going to be coming down to how am I going to uniquely solve this problem? And oftentimes what ends up happening is we just repeat patterns. And with executives, what happens oftentimes is they are really good in certain chaotic situations in a vacuum, but they can't then turn that off. And then they create that chaos at home. And then it comes into the next day. And when you take a look at chaos, either you go with it and you get caught up in it, or you can slow yourself down. Can you slow yourself down? Then you can see more. When you can see more, now you are more, you can be more. And when you be more, you can do more. And when I'm working with with executives, I always tell them there's four pillars 
to the flow state. And in the the flow state, number one, there's no sense of what I call the saboteur. That's that 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 uh, sabotage, the person in your head, the negative, the self-doubt. You know, my teacher always said, doubt is the greatest weapon that we can give our enemy. So there's no sense of that presence, of that that voice. The second thing is that when we're there, time gets displaced. So by time displacement, like when I'm in that fight situation or when we're rolling, time slows down, right? It's like the matrix moment. Now, when we're having creative situations, right, you could go, it's the opposite where, for example, we we were talking right now, it's going to seem at the end of it like it was only 10 minutes, but we had an hour. So the time gets displaced. The next thing is it's an absolute effortless awareness. It's effortless because there's no Triforce. I'm not trying. And at the end, it becomes an enriching experience. The opposite of that is there's somebody yapping in your head, constantly doubting you, thinking, what will they think? They're seeking after security, after control, after approval, and all their decisions are coming from that acquired personality. Then time, instead of getting deplaced, you're stuck in the past, you're stuck in the future, not in the present. And instead of an effortless awareness, now this becomes a triforce. I have to try so hard to why I'm wise, you know, and then that continues the dialogue. And then it becomes very exhausting. So the biggest thing with executives is how can you get more done with less energy because they're always running on empty. They're always right. exhausted. And that exhaustion comes down to what are they draining their energy on? So oftentimes, you know, everybody should be meditating or practicing some kind of mindfulness. When you're practicing some, practicing some kind of mindfulness, you can sit and do meditation for 20 minutes during the day. But how much energy are you giving away to other people just complaining, criticizing, and condemning? All day long, it's just spewing out. So does it even make a difference? So who's choosing? Who's acting? So always come down to it's never about the decision. So when I'm coaching people making million-dollar decisions, it's never about the decision. It's about the state of the decision maker when they're making the decision. And that's the most important thing. So, you know, just a comment on that. There's a great quote I love. It goes like this. Never make an important decision when you're angry or upset. It's like letting a coward lead your army. I love and that's that. kind of what you said very eloquently. Yeah. yeah. So uh, I love it because, you know, I think Deepak calls it spontaneous right action, right? When you're in the right frame of mind with the right intent, you're going to most likely do the right thing in, in, in the moment. You know, if we can just kind of get out of our way. Well, what would you what would you tell somebody, man, I want to experience flow state more often? You know what? OK, so mindfulness, meditation, what other things can I do to kind of find and keep my center on a more regular basis? Well, you know, I think martial arts. Martial arts is, is the ultimate thing. Go roll, do some jujitsu. Mm-hmm. Because the, th- the thing that gets in our way of experience, I think the flow state is very natural. It's our natural state. But we are in the way, our mind is in the way, our attachments to victory and defeat are in the way, our uh, egos get in the way. And so ultimately, one of the best tools for the flow state is to put yourself in an uncomfortable situation and learn to make yourself comfortable in that uncomfortable situation. So uh, a prime example, you know, sometimes when people, when they think of chaos, they think peace is the absence of chaos. But I truly believe peace is a choice in chaos. It's not the absence or the lack of chaos. It's a choice, just like fear, as Tony Blower says, fear is a choice. Um, uh, uh, Courage is a choice in fear. Happiness is a choice in struggle. It's not the absence of it. We're in a society that's very comfort-seeking. And so I don't even think chaos is our problem. I think our problem Mm -hmm. is actually we're way too comfortable. And can we make ourselves uncomfortable? Every day I challenge myself to make myself uncomfortable. And that's the discipline it takes to grow. And I think that's one of the most important things is to bring yourself down. So if there's no chaos to practice, how can I practice bringing myself down? Interesting. Yeah. You know, Jordan Peterson talks about, you know, how people are striving for happiness, but strive for meaning, right? You know, meaning that's where you want to be because, uh, you know, happiness is going to be fleeting and you'll usually find happiness with meaning. And, you know, in order to have meaning, you, you got to put yourself on the line. Thus, you got to kind of, I guess, embrace the chaos a bit. Absolutely. Yeah. It's a so chaos. Have you ever read the book, The Powerful Engagement? I'm just curious. No, sir, I haven't. I haven't. By, by James Lohr, it, it's really interesting. It talks about how we manage it's the, uh, we manage energy, uh, not time. 
and he talks about the ideal performance states and, and how the ideal performance state is uh, the key to high performance is energy fueled from positive emotion, which is mental clarity, physical energy, emotional calm, uh, you know, spiritual centered. And, and, and so it's, it's really interesting. He's, uh, he's a guy that's uh, coached a bunch of professional athletes, mostly swimmers and tennis players kind of back in the day. His stuff is still really relevant, but I, right. I think you just really uh, uh, it'll be right up your alley, the book. Oh, I love it. I took a note. I'll check it out. So what is your, uh, you know, what is your daily, like, like your, you know, a clearly, uh, you know, health fitness, you know, is a part of your, you know, life and who you are. How do you look at, let, let's kind of back up a little bit. Uh, you know, I used to, it was for me, it was martial arts, then fitness, then health. And as I've aged, I've switched and now it's health, fitness, martial arts. And, and my thought process is that I want to be able to train when I'm old. Uh, and some of my students think I'm old now, by the way, but, but not, but, but ask my dad if I'm old, he'll say, no, you know, I'm a kid, but, uh, uh, is, is that, so what I've done is I've changed my focus. I look at the way I eat, the way I manage stress, the way I sleep, uh, all is part of my martial arts training. And, 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 and then, because if I want to do this a long time, I got to take care of the machine, so to speak. And so uh, I'm curious, what, what, what are some of the habits you have in place that, because you're certainly, certainly someone that's thinking about the future so that you're still able to perform and feel good at at a high level when you're older. Uh, if my, my routine revolves around energy and stillness. Okay. That's the first most important thing that I start with and try to seek it in my martial arts and in my fitness. So I'm, I'm trying to approach it from energy, awareness, and stillness practice. And can I find that in everything that I do? Can I return back to the state? How often can I return back to the state? So my, my day revolves around, so you know, we can't be in a flow state all the time, but I, I, the way I look at it is how often can we catch ourselves out of it to recenter back? Mm-hmm. And, and my, my routine, for example, I have a morning practice. Then throughout the day, like I, t- I tell everybody, set five alarms for five minutes throughout the day and pull yourself out and just breathe and center back. Because the skill is to center back. How quickly can we center back and then choose our, our options from there? So my morning, I wake up every day between 5 and 5.30. I'm, by 5.30, I'm always training. So I start training. Uh, and every morning, no matter what, we get up and we go. It's a discipline. And I hate getting up in the morning. Sure. Because I hate it, I do it because of that. that point, I did it. You know? And um, so I start yeah. off, we get up, I do my, my Qigong and Neigong training. And then after that, I do my Tai Chi. And then from there, I do quiescence, quiescent meditation. By then, my day kicks in, hang out, breakfast with the kids. And after that, I start my business, things that I have to do. Come lunchtime, now I'm into my first round of physical conditioning and martial arts practice. And then in the evening, second round of conditioning, and back again to quiescence, a lot of standing meditation uh, practice and, and tai chi again. So my day revolves around those routines that I'm, that I'm constantly working on. And for me, it's, it's always been a journey of how can I function from inside out instead of outside in. So when I first started, it was outside in, the shape sure. forms. Now it's like inside out. How can I be more present in everything I'm doing? Even when I move, can I move from inside out? And, and how, more, how much more can I experience life from a different version, a more refined version, closer to who I am, and move away from the masks that may have acquired up until this point? Beautiful, beautiful. So when you're talking about energy and stillness, are you talking about two extremes? Is that kind of what you're referring to? You're, you're trying to, uh, you know, fluctuate between the two sides? Is, did I get that right? Um, in a way, yes. Um, so in my energy practice, you know, so I do a lot of John Jong and, and Etron standing meditation practice to build and cultivate the life force energy. Just build that, get it flowing in the body. So with energy practice, you know, you're, you're going to purge, get rid of all the, the muck, fill it up, and then regulate. So there's that happening. Now with the stillness, there's three aspects to stillness. Stillness and stillness, the quiescent meditation, standing still where I'm not moving. Stillness and movement, the taiji practice, shadow boxing. We're moving extremely slow, and it's just like one still point to another. And then can I transfer that now when I'm shadow boxing, hitting the heavy bag, mukjong. And then stillness and chaos. Now can I maintain this state when we're rolling, when we're sparring, 
when I'm doing, whether I'm doing stick or knife or boxing or wrestling or just mixing between all of them or drilling, whatever we're doing, can I bring this state? So I'm always looking to have that state here. And, and I think what you said is really important when you talked about it's bringing that concentration back, right? It's kind of like, you know, someone is saying, man, I can't meditate because every time I do, I, I get distracted. And the whole point is, and the best analogy I could give is imagine you have a, a baby that's just learning to crawl and you bring him to the beach and you, you put him on a little bit the middle of a towel and, uh, you know, on a big blanket and you look over and you see the baby starting to crawl towards the side. What do you do? You kind of calmly pick the baby up and put it back in the middle of the blanket again, you know, but that's kind of my, you know, what I try to do when I'm getting sidetracked, it, 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 when I'm working on uh, whether it be like what Ken Han, which is a moving meditation or uh, a, a kind of a traditional one is, is that oh, try not to, you don't, you don't beat yourself up for it. You just draw your attention back to the center. What I find is amazing. Uh, 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 the gentleman I train Yaido and Kabuto with Shen Mikanish Yuchi, we do quite a bit of uh, Ken Han. Like he has this one moving meditation. that's his favorite. And it took me quite a while, by the way, that moving meditation where, you know, it, it's supposed to take you 20 minutes to get around the room. I can do it in two minutes, man. <laughs> I know that's not the point. The point is, is finally when I get, you know, it's virtually impossible for the body to move slow and the mind to move fast. It's really why I think sometimes a moving meditation is more powerful for a lot of people because it's hard. When you sit still, your mind can still race. Yes. But when you move your body really slow, it's like there it's almost like your mind is forced to slow down to match it. And sometimes that's a way that people can get there that they would not have otherwise been able to. Yeah, it definitely helps as a bridge, you know, and I think like, you know, as we talked about it before, it's that centering back and not getting caught up in, you know, there, everybody says go with the flow, right? but I really think if we change around and say flow with the go, it's a little different idea because if you go with the flow, it means you can get caught up in the flow of whatever's happening and you can go with the flow, but that's, you're not necessarily choosing. But if you choose to flow with the go, what's happening, you're flowing around it. Sometimes you need to go up. Sometimes you need to go back. Sometimes you have to go opposite. But you're making the choice. But, but like, like we've talked about before, it all comes down to the mind and the discipline because our thoughts, they, they are the biggest enemies within. I mean, we, and you know, back to your question about why martial arts. Well, because I know the greatest enemy in my life is me. I get in my own way more than anything else. I get in the way of my experiences more than anything else. It's this yapping that's happening between my two ears that stops me from being in the moment and feeling and experiencing life. Amen. Amen. Absolutely. So that guy must die. <laughs> Every single day, his head has to roll. And, and, and he helps, you know, it, he also helps me because I need that opponent to keep growing and that awareness of that opponent to keep growing. And, and so that's why, you know, when, when we, you know, we talk and you're a great mental coach and you speak around and we know that 90% of everything in success is mental. Every athlete will tell you, every great business professional will tell you. So then the next question becomes, well, then if 90% of it success is mental, then how, well, how much time, resources and money are we spending on that mental? It's a great question. It's such a, you know, it, it's, I'm, I'm amazed by the, the disconnect really smart people have with their level of health and happiness and the amount of time they put into themselves. And hey, I can do better, certainly, right? Uh, but, but I, you know, that, that are just really like, like know what little work they could get better, but somehow the effort of doing all that stuff, you know, I'm just going to sit on the couch and, you know, and, and turn on Netflix, you know, and have a, have another donut. I don't mean to be disrespectful, but you get the idea. It's like you're right on, man. And and you know, you don't pay the price for discipline, and it, you reap the benefits. You know, I remember one time I had a friend of mine. He's a really good guy. Who uh, uh, he's a martial artist, and when he was younger, he was really talented. And he kind of, you know, as happens, his knees went bad and didn't take care of his hip, and now he's kind of beat up, and he's not expect, ex, exactly a super healthy looking guy. And, you know, last time, you know, you know, he, he was giving me a hard time about, you, know, I'm, you still exercise and kick, oh, you know, you're not a kid anymore. And, you know, I'm going to go out, you know, I'm going to enjoy every bit of this, you know, my, I'm going to go out, yeah, you know, uh, on a stretcher or whatever. whatever. The point was, I, I, I looked at him and I said, man, you don't look like you're enjoying yourself too much right now. Meaning, you know, you really do, that the amount of time that you put into uh, yourself, uh, you know, pays in spades. Uh, and, and especially for the people in your circle too. You know, I know I'm better for everyone in my world when I am 
taking time to, to try to keep my center and do all the things that know that help me strive to be the best version of myself. You just, you just hit it on the head. I mean, that is the most important thing. You know, anytime that, you know, my teacher showed me something a long time ago and he said exactly that. He said, anytime you don't want to do something, anytime that you want to be lazy, don't think about yourself. Think about the version of you that needs to show up for your wife, for your kids, for your community. So like when I go to a deadlift and, you know, a big heavy deadlift, it's not like a deadlift for me. It's a deadlift if there's a building that's burning, I could go help somebody, to serve somebody. Now that deadlift, that bar, that workout, what's it going to You can't yap to that. It, it, it can't hold anything to that. And I think that martial arts really gets us to the point where we understand who we are. Now we can be there for other people because that's yeah. the point anyways. Yeah, so important. And, you know, for me, the, the lesson that I try to, to – uh, uh, you know, get across. And by the way, you, you teach what you most need to be here to hear, right? And this is stuff that, that plays in my mind because I also am an early riser and I've been doing it my whole adult life and I still don't like getting up early. And by the way, I recently got a, a sauna because I used to be going to the gym and sauna all the time. And then I would jump in this cold water immersion pool afterwards. And of course, since I haven't been able to do that, you know, so I got a sauna. I also got a big tub. Nice. Uh, this my, 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 and I hate that thing, you know, get, get in the cold water after this. But you know what? I love the fact that I got to remind myself who's in charge. You know, it's kind of like when a little kid says, you're not the boss of me. Well, my question is, who's the boss of me? If I'm the boss of me, or then I'm going to do what I'm saying, or is, is the boss of me that little voice that says, I don't want to, I don't feel like it, you know, and, and you got to be a kind of, kind of keep that guy in his place, so to speak. And, and so, yeah, you know, that it, whatever you want to call it, I, I, you know, voluntary deprivation or, you know, comfortable being uncomfortable, just like, like when you hear yourself not want to do something, that's all the more reason that that's exactly what you need to do. Because once we understand, once we can get ourselves to take action, when we don't feel like it, a whole world of possibilities opens up to us. Uh, 1000%. And, and that's it. Because it's, it's you know, we're, we're always choosing between our likes and our dislikes. And, and that's the whole point is like, okay, well, what I like, I like anyways. Well, what are the things I dislike doing? That's where my limitations come about. And let's I, I, I'm, I'm with you on that. I'm actually setting up, I just moved down to Orange County from, from Santa Cruz, you know, just a little while ago. I mentioned to you, I'm setting up the same thing out here with the sauna and the ice. And I hate it. There's never a day I take a cold shower that I, that's, that all of a sudden now no, no, cold shower is refreshing. You don't really get used to it. It still sucks, but I'll tell you what, when you're done, you feel great. I got to do a side note for a second since you mentioned Santa Cruz. Uh, two weeks ago, um, actually, there's a guy on, my brother's name is Tim, and Tim Kovar was my business partner for 20 years, right? And uh, about three or four years ago, there's another guy by the name of Tim Kovar who uh, does, runs an international tree climbing school. And um, so he was uh, also a martial artist, always wanted to have a dojo, okay? And he was actually in the Sacramento airport going through TSA, and the guy goes, oh, Mr. Kovar, uh, tell your brother I said, hello, how's the dojos doing? And the guy's going, what are we, you know? So he goes online and he finds us and he reaches out and we become Facebook friends. And anyway, so he, uh, it, this, it, for about two months in March and April, he, there's, a, there's an old growth redwood up in the, right in the hills above Santa Cruz. It's right, like I said, that summit exit on Highway 17. And it's a thousand year old redwood. They call him grandpa that that I, I got to climb it two weeks ago it was you know he's very respectful to the tree it, it's like you know he's a environmentalist and his whole idea is he travels the world he spends some time in the amazon and then he goes to costa rica and then his home base is in um oregon but yeah so it, it took like three hours it was about it's a 200 foot tree and we went about 180 feet up it was talk about like in the moment it, it was because i had to learn how to do all these you know uh, uh repelling strategies and uh, um, but uh, it, it was an amazing experience. What a, and, and it was a reminder about, I guess, it's a word that I learned from my father. It's my favorite word, and that is savor, savor. Because the word savor, to me, what it means, it brings you to the present moment with a sense of appreciation. You know, savor a good meal, savor. And in this case, I was able to see uh, look over and see the ocean in Santa Cruz from whatever twenty miles away on this gorgeous day, one hundred and eighty feet up in the in the red in this redwood. It was it was remarkable. Yeah, fantastic. You've got to send me his contacts next time I'm up there. Maybe. I'd yeah, I will actually. I, I I will do that. Yeah. So it was an interesting story how we just connected on Facebook and that worked out really good. So uh, what what would you tell somebody? Speaking of savor, so how do you you, you know uh. 
It, what what's your 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 process as far as I'm sure gratitude makes its way into your daily routine, but how do you express that or practice that or how important I don't want to put words in your mouth, but how important that is to you? It's it's everything. You know, you and I we've talked about the stoic philosophy before and you know, memento mori is mm-hmm. it, it's it's a practice I do every day. And you know, it's as simple as when I go to sleep at night, you know, my, my teacher says, uh you make a to-do list? I'm like, yes, I make a to-do list, right? And he's like, all right. The number one thing on your to-do list is write down, get a pen. I go get a pen. He's like, write this down. You're going to die. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, oh, I thought this was going to be motivational. Just bear with me. Number one on your list, then go do the rest of your things. Because one day, mm-hmm. that's going to be true. Mm-hmm. So, so when, when we go to sleep at night, I'm thankful for the day I had. Because I don't know if I'm going to wake up in the morning. Mm-hmm. When I wake up in the morning, it's like, <sighs> let's go. And then, then you see your kid. You're like, ah, oh, today could be the last day I see you. So now it's just like every moment I go hug him. And, I, and just even I got goosebumps right now because he's been out all day. I hear his voice. I can't wait to go see him. And I know at the end of that day, I'm going to do this process again. Because one day... It's going to be true. One day I'm going to go to sleep and I may not wake up. One day I'm going to wake up, I may not go to sleep. So I know this is on the to-do list. That means then whatever I, that voice in my head thinks might be important is not important. And now I can really bring the real gratitude to, to this moment, to this breath, to this connection, to spending time with you, spending time with my kids, and be right here wholly and totally instead of, you know, in this trap watching a movie. Man, so good. So good. Good stuff. Well, you know, you mentioned stoicism. Of course, you, you know, we both, you know, I guess studies are stoic, stoics at heart in some capacity. What would you tell somebody, uh, you know, about like, like, in other words, if I wanted to learn more things uh, regarding uh, various uh, philosophical influences that you've had, what are some of the ones? Is stoicism part of it? Yeah, definitely. Stoicism is part of it. Um, you look at uh, Musashi's work. We, you and I, we've talked about Hagakure, Book of yes. Samurai, The Art of War. Yeah, it sits here on my desk, the scroll. I literally oh, sit next the scroll. to it. Oh, how cool is that? Yeah. And then so oh, there's man. Chinese over here. I can't read it, so I have the English on the other oh, side. Oh, how, how cool. That, that's, that's way cool. And, and it's right here on my desk. Because every day I look at it and it reminds me and I pick something and I read it and I'm like, okay. Um, and, you know, the, I, th- I think that, that the central work, though, that whether it's Stoicism or it's and the Tao Te Ching, the Taoist philosophy, I've really immersed myself into that. Um, and, and one of the things I think at the end of the day, it's know yourself. Mm-hmm. The, everything starts there. And, the, and it's such a simple statement, but it's very deep. How deep are we willing to go? And that, if you look at even Stoic philosophy, it leads you back to know yourself. Who's choosing? The art of war, the central theme is know yourself and know your enemy. You're sure to succeed. If you know yourself not the enemy, 50-50. If you know yourself not the enemy, doomed to fail. But the whole theme is based on know yourself, know your, which means know your patterns. Where did those patterns come from? So I think anything that you can do to help you understand yourself better how you make choices, what influences your choices, where did you learn the different things, who do you define yourself as, where are the limitations you've set, because those are all learned. So if anything that's learned can be unlearned, anything that's learned also puts us in a box. Mm-hmm. So I think, I think the main thing starts with a question. And the question is, who are you? And it's not an easy answer. And oftentimes people say, I'm a dad. You're not a dad. That's a role. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm a martial arts teacher. That's what you do. So that starts you deep down in this thing and to get down to what are your values? How do you want to live and operate your life? What are the virtues that you operate out of? You know, and, and then it allows you to then become impeccable because one of the key things, and what I admire about you more than ever, is that whenever I see your Facebook post, it gets me pumped up because you're a doer. You're doing it and putting it in action. And Musashi said, if there's ever a secret, the way, the way is in training. It's always in training. This is a practitioner's method. 
and not a, just a scholar method. Let's read a bunch of books. Let's listen to podcasts and get amazing information and knowledge. But wisdom only comes from the knowledge through the experience of installing that wisdom. And that's what, what everybody needs to be. Whatever you choose, whoever you want to listen to, whatever you want to read, get the knowledge, but then act on it. And I think that is the key to installation. That's what all these great teachers were always talking about. But, but that means you've got to do it. Yeah, absolutely. Well, you know, what's interesting in all the different things that I've read, truth is truth. And when, when two people from different cultures and different, you know, across time zones or, you know, centuries come up with the same conclusion, <laughs> it really kind of says something about that, right? Whether, you know, whatever method that you kind of go with. So what's in store for the future for you? So where are you going? Well, I'm I'm working on my uh, I'm working on three books right now. Um, one for three, yeah, okay. three at the moment, and um, but they're all linked. And um, you know, I've, I think I've talked to you about before. I have a mind boxing program that I teach the executives and corporate folks on on getting in the flow state and meditation using Tai Chi and various different meditative postures. Um, and then, of course, the martial arts side, and then uh, the different things that I work in the corporate area. But the books I'm working on is the Mind Boxing book is getting ready to come out. And then Enter the Tao is a book with Black Belt Magazine that I'm writing on martial arts training. But they're all driven by a fight and flow philosophy. Like the fight is, you know, fight, flight, that animalistic survival instinct that responds with the higher consciousness choosing to flow. And how do we bring it all together? That's, those two words have been the key thing for me to understand. And, and how can I better help my students understand it? How do I continue the research to understand it better myself? And, and at the end of the day, how can we help people get into this flow state on command, anytime, any place, at home, at work, in chaos? So it's not a fleeting thing. So it's something that we can center back into and get into because I believe that's our birthright. And it's not something that should just happen in a life and death situation. It's not something that should happen. Hey, let's go into a cave and meditate. It's something that we should be able to get into right here, right now, by just understanding when we're out of it. And 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 I think it's that easy, but it requires. It's simple, but it, it requires practice, and, and and it's really putting that philosophy into place. So really, the classic phrase: before enlightenment, chop wood, carry water; after enlightenment, chop wood, carry water. It, 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 yeah. So you can apply this to everyday living, not like you're going to go be a hermit in the mountain somewhere, that you can really be at your best. Uh, you know, for us, it's the word Satori, which, of course, means a moment of enlightenment, a moment of deep understanding. For, for me, I mess with the title, and it means in the moment at your best. That's my take on that. Right? I love at that present state of consciousness when you do have mental clarity and physical energy and emotional calm, you know, and, and, and it, it, it's however fleeting it is. As a matter of fact, uh, one of the books I've written a couple and one of my books, it's called, this one's called brief moments of clarity. But, but the whole idea is that that's how I feel like every now and then I feel it, but, it, but, but it's just a wisp and how can I be there on a more consistent basis? So I, I love chatting with you always. I, I learned so much from you. I really appreciate your, your energy. And, and what I kind of feel like from my perspective uh, is that, uh, you know, the, the martial arts world, you, you're such a positive force and the martial arts world really is ready for you. And what I mean by that is, is of course, there's some old guard JKD guys that are awesome, you know, you know, that have been around for a long time and, and so many high quality people, of course, starting with Guru Dan and going down the list. And of course, guys like Eric Paulson, who's amazing and Burton Richardson and, and Ron Balicki and, uh, and Greg Nelson, all these guys are just awesome people and, 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 and whatnot. And, and uh, uh, but that was kind of a, a generation ahead of you, so to speak. And you, you, you I think you represent you, uh, um, the, the kind of the next breed, uh, 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 so to speak. I mean that, uh, you know, it is a compliment that, that, that you're, you're young enough to still have that youthful energy, but you're mature enough and you've been around long enough and wise enough to kind of, uh, you're in that perfect space, you know, where you've got a combination of wisdom and, 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 uh, and energy, so to speak. So I, I think you're going to do some great stuff, man. So it's it's a pleasure knowing you, and I'm 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 enjoying watching your path. Oh, thank you, thank you. First of all, I'm I'm very uh, humbled and honored that you even mentioned my name with with those amazing great people. Um, and you know, I think they are the ones that have paved the path. You know, they they're the trailblazers that were out there to do it. And I definitely wouldn't be here without their amazing accomplishments and the things they continue to do. 
And, you know, martial arts, you know, I, I look at you and I, I'm inspired all the time because that's what I want to stand for. Do you see what I'm saying? Like, I, I, I mean it from the bottom of my heart is that's what I want to stand for is the, the completeness. And, and that's that completeness because can we give that completeness to everybody, the, the ability to fight, the ability to save, the ability to defend, the courage, the competence, the clarity. Can we give that whole package the way? Right. When I look at you, you represent the way. That's I mean it, and and that's the way, and that's that's the business we're in is of teaching the way, and how can we get this way to not just martial artists but to everybody, and and I love it. I love doing it, you know. And and I'm just a student, so so cool. So how could how people want to find more about what you're doing, where you're going to be speaking, where do they go? Uh, you can go to for martial arts. You can go to sifusing.com, s-i-f-u-s-i-n-g-h.com. Uh, for my more mental meditative programs, Mind Boxing, How to Win the War Within, you go to mindboxing.com. Okay. And those are my two uh, major websites where you'll be able to find everything. I have a course with Black Belt Magazine called Jikundo or JKD for Black Belts. That, that's out there also. But uh, yeah, I'd love to hear from you guys. And, 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 I'm, and if I may take a moment, I'm really proud of the way the martial arts industry has been fighting through the COVID and adapting and changing and showing up for the people that needed the most. And so I'm, I'm, I'm very, very excited and honored to be a part of all the wonderful people that are out there serving. Well, we're, as a matter of fact, I'm super to have, we, we're doing our PROMAC virtual conference, uh, uh, April 30th and May 1st. Uh, normally we do a live event and are international, but I've got you. Thank you for speaking at that event coming up here in a few weeks. My honor, man. I, I missed the Denver one. That two years in a row has been canceled, but next year, hopefully. Yeah, hopefully, hopefully. I love right, well, Sifu, I don't want to take any more of your time. I really uh, uh, appreciate uh, all you're doing. It was, it's been a great conversation. You guys at home, hopefully, uh, uh, I'm sure you got a lot out of it. But please look up what, what, what Sifu Singh's doing uh, and, and keep an eye on this guy because he's going places. Take care, man. Thank you, sir.